Welcome to the How Fitting Podcast, where you'll hear from independent fashion designers and entrepreneurs about how they grow their business, making clothes that fit their customer and values. I'm your host, Allison Haynes. Before we jump into today's interview, I wanted to take a minute to tell you about the Fashion Entrepreneur Pattern Making Workroom. The Pattern Making Workroom is for designers and fashion business owners who make their own patterns for their brand, but would like an expert to turn to when questions arise. If you make the patterns for your brand, but feel like your skills or confidence are holding you back from creating the designs you really want, or if you're spending hours or even days Googling, reading your old textbooks, and searching YouTube for answers to your pattern making questions, then the Fashion Entrepreneur Pattern Making Workroom may be just what you need to move ahead in your project and in your business. Applications open tomorrow, November 10th, 2021 for the workroom. And you can find out more details and apply at allisonhanis.com slash patternmaking dash workroom. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-H-O-E-N-E-S.com slash patternmaking dash workroom. Now let's move on to today's interview with Kimberly and Miriam. Today I'm joined by Kimberly Borges and Miriam McDonald of Power Woman. So welcome to the show, Kimberly and Miriam. Thank you. Hi. We're super excited. Yeah, for those listening who are just meeting you for the first time, could you each share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Okay, Miriam, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'm Miriam, and I am the co-founder of Power Woman with Kimberly. Do you you want us to talk about the brand or just like ourselves right now? Um, Either one. So we'll we'll end up talking about the brand. So jump into that if you're okay. Sure. So we both live in Dallas. We met um, in college. We met. We went to Texas A&M, and that's where we met. And um, we started working together after college in car sales, and that's where we became best friends. And that's where the idea of Power Woman came to be. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um. So I'm Kimberly, and I'm the other co-founder of Power Woman. Um, I have a little baby girl. Her name is Sophia. She's two years old and she's very sassy and adorable. I have a really beautiful husband. He's super handsome. His name is Jack. And um, I met Miriam in college. She was actually my sweet mate's best friend. And (laughs) but she didn't she didn't she liked to be in, in her in her best friend's room more than her own room. So we ended up being friends there. But when after college, you know, I needed a job and she had a really great job uh, in car sales. So she actually helped me out and helped me get a job. And we got really close in car sales. You work like six days a week, 11 hours a day. So you're constantly together. And we kept coming up with the same problem over and over, which is we were constantly unprepared and unrepresented in our space in that we couldn't really carry anything in our pockets. We couldn't even like carry pens to sign deals or pepper spray to carry during test drives, which are really scary because you're by yourself with a stranger. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, we found that, you know, which was magnified by the fact that we were the only women on the sales floor. The fact that we had to come to the office constantly with like black, blue, gray blazers or clothing and said nothing about us. So we kind of sat down and talked about it and created these blazers for us. And they ended up being something that a lot of women wanted. So that's kind of how we got started. Yeah, that's amazing. So there's a lot that I want to kind of go into. But so what what um, did either of you kind of have a background at all? Or did you go to school for fashion design? Or was it really just kind of born out of this need? And you're like, we need these blazers. Let's figure out how to start a brand and make them. Yeah, so no, we didn't go to school for this at all. Like I was an HR major and Kim was a history major and then she went to medical school. So it kind of just came out of a, like as like a need, something yeah. that we needed. And we mm-hmm. kind of just made it for ourselves first. Yeah. So like we don't, I mean, we're figuring this out as we go, but we kind of, what we've learned is that a lot of times big brands don't ask customers what they want. And we are the customer and our friends mm-hmm. are the customers. So it does give us an advantage. I say, I always say ignorance is sometimes bliss. because because we don't have all these like set rules that you know that you learn that you have to go by we kind of approach the blazer in a different way we approach it with the end which is a customer instead of from the beginning which is the garment and that has helped us a lot in in creating something that people really enjoy 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And I, I'm always telling my clients, it's like customer research is like the most important. It's so yeah. crucial. And like for so many different things, like getting the fit right, getting the design right, getting the pricing right, like exactly. just gold, being able to listen to your customer. Exactly. Um, and helpful when you are that customer too, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And right now we're kind of expanding it from beyond us and our friends and trying to reach new customers and trying to hear what their pain points are and create and keep creating things that speak to them and serve them. Mm-hmm. 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 So what made you guys decide like this is going to be a business instead of just getting some blazers custom made for you? Because I think that's something where, you know, there's a lot, there's people that have like wardrobe challenges or like, oh, I wish this was a thing. And, but not all of them go ahead and, and start a business, which is like that's a true. whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother challenge. Yeah. So was that something that you were interested in kind of all along or what kind of prompted the start of the business to solve this problem? So Miriam and I come from entrepreneurial families, you know, both of them, we come from families in which the women are very powerful and the leaders so it's very interesting i think we subconsciously had this in our brains the whole time as we were growing up you know even in car sales i think we were both kind of working with the end goal of being able to start our own business we just didn't know what that business was so you know we both saved diligently and we're very you know, strict about that, but we didn't really know what that money was going to go towards. And it wasn't until we addressed this constant pain point that we had with our clothing that we were like, wait, what if we make this a business? And Miriam is very adventurous. Like she is, if you tell her, Hey, I would like to go to Greece one day. Next time you talk to her, she will have bought tickets to Greece. (laughs) So I called her up and she was like, and her and her husband were both like, we're in, let's do it. So I think that's honestly that me partnering up with someone that's so gun ho and so like adventurous helped a lot. And also I became, I got pregnant with our first child at the same time. And that put a fire under my ass because um, I realized that having a kid and running a business was going to be extremely difficult. And I knew that if I waited until she was born to start a business, I would be incredibly overwhelmed. So I told mm-hmm. myself that if, if there was ever a time to start my business, it was, it had to be then, like then and there. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's kind of, I, and also I knew that as a mom, I couldn't really continue in sales and, and be the mom that I wanted to be in terms of being present and being, you know, kind and not stressed, you know, sales mm-hmm. Car sales is a very stressful job. So when I realized I was pregnant, I realized I needed to change my lifestyle and my environment and Power Women provided that outlet. Yeah, yeah, that's great that you're able to, well, first, like, it seems like you both are like very driven and have big goals and adventuresome, but then also the insight to know, you know, what, what really works for you and your family and the life that you want to, and then, you know, go and then going ahead and like making it happen too. So that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm curious, you mentioned a little bit of like kind of dull colors and lack of pockets, but there were there other things that you noticed that were challenges in your wardrobe as you're working in car sales or have since kind of learned as you're talking to more people or like what yeah. were the, what were all those challenges that you were you're you're addressing with your your brand? Yeah, so we also felt like all the blazers that were like sold at other stores were not like flexible, like they didn't they were not comfortable for like our shoulders and like mm-hmm. you know I do CrossFit and Kim likes to work out as well, so you know we like to be comfortable in our clothing. That's you know car sales like you're there from eight a.m. to sometimes eight p.m. and you don't want to be wearing a stuffy blazer that you can't move your arms in all day Mm -hmm. so we Mm -hmm. wanted something that was like comfortable for us something that we can move around something that would hold like pens business cards but didn't look bulky or boxy Mm -hmm. boxy. yeah and you know um, we're both curvy so something that like accentuated our curves and looked like a good fit for our bodies and all bodies yeah something Mm -hmm. feminine we, we saw a lot of blazers with like straight lines and they all seem to be like a really mediocre 
you know, emulation of men's blazers. Like they were kind of like, let's just try to make this men's blazer as for women. Like let's give the the men's blazer room for boobs, and that was it. Like mm -hmm. it, lots of blazers didn't really take into account the fact that our silhouettes are totally different. So our blazers have really feminine lines in the back to accentuate your waist. In the front, the eye is led upward to your waist because of the front curve of the blazer. So things like that, that we noticed a lot of blazers weren't paying attention to. And we noticed that a lot of women wanted to have in their wardrobe. Um, like Miriam said, we both have super strong shoulders and a lot of men's blazers made us look like upside down triangles. Mm -hmm. and we just <laughs> I know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. So we just wanted to balance it out and create something feminine. Like femininity is really strong and really a pillar of our business because we find because we come from such a male dominated space we have realized how how powerful our femininity really is mm -hmm. and having fought so hard to find space at this table we also noticed that we weren't really bringing ourselves to the table we were bringing like a a masculine version of ourselves because we were told that that's strong that's leadership that's you know that's what people should be like professionally they should be more mm -hmm. masculine more serious and it wasn't us. So we decided to put strength back into our femininity and make pink powerful again, you know, make femininity powerful again, because it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's one thing I, I notice with um, like female politicians sometimes is that, you know, it's very much a men's world, but then the women tend to, like you said, dress very masculine and darker. Yeah colors and it's like why can't you know if we're saying that women and we believe that you know women have equality um and and, and can do whatever job a man can do then why why does she have to dress like a man to do the job like she should be yeah. able to dress like a woman and be you know and we, that we, should be just as professional and respected exactly i think we for some reason end up playing into this narrative and we're we're kind of putting a stop to it and trying to get out of that narrative of that masculinity is the professional personality mm. and femininity is somehow not professional because there's nothing innate about femininity that would make it not professional you know mm -hmm. there's nothing about it that would make me less of a leader less strong less of a of a team member so we kind of want to put that back into women's minds and give them the like celebrate them in a way that makes them feel confident enough to walk into the boardroom in a pink blazer and say okay everybody where this meeting has started and i'm talking you know mm -hmm. yeah command the authority on her mm -hmm. own terms yeah 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 i love it so you you talked about like some of the tools that you needed to carry in your pockets. Like, I'm, I'm curious, what are some of those things that you like on a given day, what is in your pockets now? Um, depending on what time of the month. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I have tampons in there. Yeah. I always carry my business cards in there and I like to have a pen. Mm -hmm. um, my phone, usually I put in like my outer pockets, but on the inside pocket, I always have a pen. You know, a good salesperson always has a pen mm -hmm. and uh, business cards. Yeah. Nice. And then I always carry lipsticks. Um, I feel I can have, like, even right now, if you saw me on camera, I, my hair is not made up. I have no makeup on, but I have, like, a stitch of lipstick on me. Like, I have a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I never leave the house without lipstick. Um, I also um, carry my cell phone and credit card license. Um, I like to carry a pad if it's that time of the month. And if I'm with my daughter, I carry a fruit pouch in there in the inner pocket as well, which is really handy. Mm-hmm. Nice. All the, all the essentials with you. Essentials. I, I love it when like on the rare occasion where there's an outfit with big enough pockets where I'm like, I don't need to carry a purse. I can just put all the yeah. stuff in my pockets and yeah. get out the door. You yeah. just feel so free. You're like, I can <laughs> run somewhere. I can do cartwheels. I can do whatever mm -hmm. I want. Like I'm ready to go. I haven't yeah. worn a purse in like three years. Me neither. I don't carry purses around. I'll, yeah. I'll carry a backpack if I have to carry like my laptop and stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't really carry a purse unless it's like a 
like I'm trying to make a statement. Like I have like this purse with a glittery toucan, <laughs> you know? <laughs> nice. Am I saying that right? Toucan? Toucan? The bird? A toucan? I think so. I think yeah. so. Okay. But yeah, I don't carry purses anymore. Nice. Yeah, it gives you your your hands to be able to do whatever. You're not the person who's like holding stuff or, oh, you have a bag. Let me stick my stuff in your bag. That's another thing. I feel like when you carry a purse, people just automatically look to you to carry their stuff. And that is so annoying because like I've had like men treat me like their mom, Mm -hmm. not like my husband, but like friends be like, can you carry my phone? Carry, carry this. Can you? I'm like, boy, I'm I'm already a mom. I don't need another kid. Like Mm -hmm. I'm good. And so if you carry a purse, I think it invites that. But if I have like, I'm not carrying anything and I don't have anything anywhere to put your stuff. No one's going to ask me to carry their stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good point. Mm-hmm. another perk of pockets yeah <laughs> so what was it like when you were actually developing like did you start with um one blazer or a collection of blazers or what was it like to, when you first started making the actual product we should have started with one blazer but I think yeah. we were a little <laughs> over our head and we made like eight six, or yeah. six yes yeah, oh, like wow. yeah and we I mean to be honest like Kim like drew it on a piece of paper and it looks like a five-year-old drew it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're, we're not artistic in like we're not naturally talented with drawing or we're not even like very fashionable to be honest at all. Right. I mean you're, you're a little more. I, I can be fashionable. Yeah. I can be like I wear I, I can wear really crazy things, but like I if you see me on a day-to-day basis, you're not like, wow, Kim is so fashionable. It's just like for special <laughs> events that I'm like, I'm going to show out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just like ordered like six blazers, eight blazers, like based on our designs. And um, when we got them, we were like, wow, we ordered a medium. This is an extra, extra small. Yeah. <laughs> so when, we de- when we designed them, we had to like, I mean, we had, we have no design background. Like we have no proximity to design at all. Like none of our friends are designers no one in our family is designers so when we talked to the manufacturer we drew these things out and you know we googled it and we kept in tech packs out mm-hmm. there and we looked at what a tech pack contained and i was like this is the hardest thing i've ever seen in my life like <laughs> it is so intricate and just complex so we basically created fabric scripts where we this des- des- um described each blazer in like the most intense way possible. Like I described what we were going to use it for, where it was going to go, how it was supposed to feel, how it was supposed to make you look, everything. And so when the manufacturer got the fabric script and got like our, our drawings, they sent us back. Um, and, you know, after we picked out fabrics and we picked out sizing, which was a nightmare, <laughs> they sent us back our samples, which was really fun. We were like, oh my gosh, like, this is from our imagination and now it's here. Yeah. <laughs> but the sizes, like Miriam said, we ordered, we, we ordered sample sizes and our sizes, which is large and extra large or extra extra large, depending on like where we are. Mm-hmm. And they sent us those sizes, quote unquote. And they were literally like, they wouldn't fit even our friends who were extra small. Oh, no. So we had to start again and be like, no, we need American sizing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. We are large women. In, in inches. Exactly, in inches. And so that, I, I will say to this day, sizing and the size charts are whatever. It's just a pain. It's a pain. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, everybody's different too. Like every yeah. woman is different, so it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still, I mean, so like, where did you find this manufacturer? Like you say you have no background in this, yet it seemed like you, you started. So- uh fairly quickly like what what kind of time frame are we looking at here like how long did it take to get get the first designs back how you wanted them a year yeah you're looking about close to a year by the time we it was over a year like we started talking about it in august of 2018 and we didn't even have our product until um what's after september october october of 2019 yeah so it took us a while to find a manufacturer i will say the best way to do it um you just have to go get on google and 
like I, we, we search nonstop, but a, a great resource that I recommend is if you're looking for manufacturers overseas, because there are some in the US, like in LA, um, even in Austin, but if those aren't in your budget, overseas has great manufacturers. So we looked on Alibaba.com mm-hmm. and we looked for fabrics or items that were similar to ours. So mm-hmm. not particularly blazers, but like a jacket or maybe someone that was making clothes in the material that we liked. Um, and then we would message them on Alibaba and on WeChat and say, you know, we're looking to make these blazers. Um, could you make us some samples? And we could go from there. And we found a manufacturer that had a reasonable minimum uh, production quantity mm-hmm. and who took a chance on us because, of course, we weren't ordering 300 of each style. We were ordering very little of each style because we, we were, were completely self-funded. Mm-hmm. And this manufacturer was gracious enough to extend, you know, the, uh, their services to us. And we've been working with them ever since. But Alibaba.com is a great resource. I've, re- I've referred several people over there. And there's a, there's a few manufacturers in the U.S. that I also refer my friends who are, you know, looking to produce or make their own stuff. Um, you just have to make sure you know what your pricing is and know what your budget is because, Manufacturing in the U.S. and overseas is totally different. Mm-hmm. Also, trade shows. Trade shows, yeah. A lot of manufacturers go to trade shows. That's right. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you're more of an in-person type of person, trade shows, you just go there and, and if you ask everybody there, like the people who are selling the uh, wholesale, they typically all of them have um, a direct contact to a manufacturer if if they are not themselves a manufacturer. And you can just ask them, hey, do you make samples? Could I work with you? What's your minimum quantity order? Um, and they, I mean, I've had a great luck with that. So trade shows are a great way to start too. They are, yeah. Have you been to some trade shows and done that then? Yeah. Yeah, we, we went to one mm-hmm. um, in New York, actually. There was oh. one in New York, and then we go to the one here in Dallas, um, mm-hmm. mainly just to study fabrics. And mm-hmm. to see what kind of colors are trending or patterns are trending. But the one in New York taught us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a learning experience for us because we were still on the fence about what our focus was going to be. We're like, are we just mm-hmm. going to do blazers or are we going to do work clothes in general? And when we went to New York, we were like, okay, let's do work clothes. And I think when we left and then when we were doing everything else, we were like, I think our passion and our, and our energy is better served in blazers themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what what kind of went into that decision because I see that as another thing um that kind of new brands get caught up in is like I'm going to do this whole collection in sweaters and jeans mm-hmm. and blazers and and aren't it it can be scary to focus too on one product yeah. so um what was what were some of the, the deciding factors in making that like no we're going to we're going to be known for blazers. We're going to do really good blazers. Mm-hmm. I think it was just, yeah, like just something that we were both really passionate about. Like we were not passionate about selling shirts or like pants. Like mm-hmm. we Kim's usually like the one that designs all the blazers and I'll look over and we'll make changes together, but she's the one with the ideas for the designs. Mm-hmm. So I think that one was just like every time we like, she designs a new blazer and we get the sample we're like this is so exciting yeah. so it's like that's like really what we're like passionate about mm-hmm. and what we put our heart into it and I feel like we've made a lot of like adjustments throughout the years like a, you know first different linings and then different colors and different fabrics and mm-hmm. it's just something that we want to like perfect and just be perfect because that's that is really like our main focus yeah. of our sales. Mm-hmm. yeah we have a lot to learn and you know especially coming because we don't have a background in design because we don't have a background in business I feel like we have to really focus our efforts in to specific things to make sure we're putting out a product that is worth buying. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, for example, you talk to any big entrepreneur or big business owner, you ask them about their first product and they'll laugh because their first <laughs> product, you know, compared to what they're producing now is just like, it's laughable, but it is what it is. And don't ever let like the need for perfection stop you from moving forward. Like we didn't, mm-hmm. we, we didn't know what we were doing and we still produce what we produce and we're proud of that. And we learned and we grew from that. But the thing at the end of the day, 
you know, you just have to be honest with yourself. How much time do you have? How much money do you have? Where are you really in? What are you really interested in? Where can you make the most impact? You know, and we felt that blazers were the least kind of touched item in women's clothing that hadn't really been modified or, or, you know, improved in so long. So we were like, this is where we should focus. And also we felt that there were already a lot of people selling these other clothes, pants, shirts, sweaters, all of that. But we didn't really see anybody like us. Yeah. At first we wanted to make pants. Remember? At first we wanted to make yeah. pants. Yeah. <laughs> we, at first we wanted to make these pants that were kind of like Spanx pants. And I'm glad we didn't. Cause there's no way in hell I want to compete with Sarah Blakely. Yeah. So she, so, and after that, we like, when we decided to just go with blazers a few months later, we saw that she created these like Spanx work pants and we're like, thank God we didn't spend money you know, doing that. Can you imagine having to compete against a billionaire with like, <laughs> you know, her own resources? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you were very uh, true to what you're passionate about and true to like, like you said, where can I make the most impact with, with the kind of the mission that you had? Yeah, exactly. You just kind of got to stick to your roots, you know, because when you get excited about an idea, you know, your brain just kind of runs nuts. It just goes everywhere. And it's nice to just, every time you get overwhelmed or like, okay, wow, there's like 10 different pages of ideas. Go back to your original idea. Like what started it all? What was that need that you were trying to fulfill that made you start in the first place? And when you go back to it, or when we went back to it, we, we, we hit on blazers. Mm -hmm. the the whole time we kept going back to blazers I mean originally wanted to remember we wanted to have like staplers and notepads and notebooks and shirts and shoes and pants but you know it's all exciting and maybe someday but right now we are we are focusing and proud to focus on blazers nice and you it seems like you have like a very strong like business background like even you were talking about pricing and you know where you know who your competitors are and you know where you can make the most impact for your budget and all that um or some of that things that you learned you you said that um your family is very entrepreneurial so did you kind of pick that up as you were growing up or was that from school or from car sales or have you kind of learned the business side of things as you've been learning the design side as well um it's kind of been like learn as you go like we always say we learn everything from google university (laughs) yeah but i mean obviously there's things that you learn you know growing up and i mean we learned our customer service we learned our sales like how to sell from car sales like that you know Mm -hmm. being in that industry for five years gave gave us like so many things that without it i think our business wouldn't be as yeah successful because whenever you're in car sales you're basically like your own business mm-hmm. like you have your own customers and you're like have to be organized and yeah. you know you have to sell cars which is the hardest thing to do i know <laughs> people walk in negative yeah negative. with their guards up exactly and car sales that's a really aggressive environment and the company we worked out their foundation was customer service it was unlike any other dealership you'll ever encounter it was a, a an environment in which you were encouraged to gift your customer special memorable items at the end of the sale so if you were selling them something selling them a car right and they mentioned their like history you know their anniversary their birthday exactly they have a grandkid on the way you would give them something that was meant for them and put it in the car and you create this loyal customer for life that's actually a book that the owner of the company wrote customers for life and yeah it's sales has is Sales was probably the best education we've ever received mm-hmm. in our lives yeah. because it, it, it put us into a mindset in which we were constantly thinking outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So what does a customer want? What do they need? Right. So like, what, where can I serve them the best? A uh, customer would walk in and say, I want a convertible, for example, you know, not that we sold convertibles, but just to give you an idea, like I want a coupe car and they would they would walk in with their two kids and they'd be like well you know what are you looking to use this car mostly for and they would say like you know taking the kids back and forth from practice and I'm like well you know let's see if everything will fit in this car and 
or let's look at other options. You know, you kind of want to make sure that the customer is served best. That way they're a customer that will come back, you know, not to return mm -hmm. the item, but to buy more. And, you know, we had a lot of return customers because of that. And it, it was also nice because you were taught to look at the product in a way that was more based on the benefit and not so much on the product itself. Mm -hmm. So instead of talking about the car, we would talk about how is this car going to help you and benefit you? Is it going to make it easier for you to drop off the kids or is it going to make it easier for you to transport your equipment? Is it going to make it easier for you to be in budget during the month because it's, it's in your gas mileage? Like, mm -hmm. how is it going to help you? And that has shaped the way we structure our sales and the way we structure our blazers altogether. But another thing that I think subconsciously has helped us a lot is our families, you know, are entrepreneurial. And since we were kids, we've seen our families quite literally hustle. We're both <laughs> children of immigrants. Miriam is an immigrant. She immigrated here to the U.S. when she was eight. Yeah. And I was born in the U.S., but I went back to Colombia and then came back to the U.S. when I was seven. My, and then so my parents are not American. They're Colombian. And so we saw like the hustle from zero, right? Mm -hmm. To create something from zero and not, not like because you're fearless, but in spite of fear, like in the face of fear. And I mm -hmm. think that kind of molded our brains to not be as scared of failure uh, and be a little bit more scared of like getting to 90 and being like, oh man, we, we didn't try that great idea we had, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You both, you guys both seem like very like brave in in that you're willing to like jump in and like let's do this like we might fail but that's okay and we'll learn stuff yeah. or it could go really great but like let's not gonna I'm not gonna stop anything from like you know, yeah you know making me try yeah. it so Miriam is very good at that she's more of a like let's try and I've actually learned that from her I've always been an, I can't be an overthinker but Miriam is much more of like a let's just pull the trigger and what I've learned from her is just to like try it go as far as you can go without burning yourself and then like test it out and I'm then i'm always like but did you die but did you die yeah <laughs> so, you know, yeah what is realistically the way yeah, right? yeah so if we didn't die we keep going forward and yeah. if we feel death is imminent then we kind of back up a little bit like maybe we don't sell shirts <laughs> we just focus on blazers because <laughs> that's what we did we we went to new york to that trade show we actually bought we gave ourselves a limit because we were, we were still so confused. We were like, what yeah. do we, what do we sell? Right. Mm -hmm. And so Miriam was like, let's just do, let's just buy $2,000 worth of product. Right. And we walked around, mind you, it, it's huge. I was like, what, six months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And we were what show was this? Um, it was at Java center. It was, it was a magic. Was it? I think so. It was magic. No magic was in Las Vegas. Yeah. What was yeah. this one? It was a little one. I don't remember. Are you sure it wasn't magic? I know magic pops up in Atlanta, Las Vegas. I forgot what it was called. It was it was related to those though, because all the same brands are there. Okay. And, and you know, we're walking around and we're just kind of testing it out. Like you have to give yourself a budget to fail. And I think because we're so comfortable with we have failed in our lives. We you know, Miriam did HR and she's not an HR person. You know, I did medical school. I'm not a doctor. Like mm -hmm. it's, we're just used to pivoting and used to rethinking where we're supposed to be. So failure is not as scary as it for us as it is for other people. So we were like, let's just budget this amount of money and maybe we'll fail. Maybe it'll be a great idea. Who knows? But it's an investment. Mm -hmm. So we bought those clothes and ended up failing. <laughs> But we didn't die. But we didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, if, and you know what? For our education, $2,000 is worth us learning. You know, I'm mm -hmm. worth $2,000 of investment if it means I get to learn. Yeah, that is a great point to think of it as you didn't invest $2,000 in a failed project. You invested $2,000 in a learning opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 I love how you frame it that way. It's like you're worth the learning opportunity if you know, if yeah. even that's worst case scenario, you spent exactly. it on a learning opportunity. Yeah. As a business owner, you have to humble yourself. You really do. You have mm -hmm. to know that you don't know everything and you have to be willing to learn. And that's, mm -hmm. I think that's why 
we've been successful because we don't we knew that we didn't know anything mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. we started from zero yeah and we googled everything and another thing that Miriam has taught me because I'm a I'm very cheap I am very cheap I overthink every single expense and Miriam like I said is the opposite but even more so when it comes to her education or programs or aids you know and helping like aids and helping her work better Mm -hmm. or more efficiently i'm always like i will have that item in my cart for months whereas miriam is like i bought it i got it so for example something that she invested in that has shaped our business uh, or our mindset is masterclass and she bought it without even thinking i had been staring at that thing for months <laughs> and she shared it with me and you know we got to see sarah blakely's masterclass and that shaped you know how we structured our business and also how we thought about the fact that we were self-funded i think a lot of people are i think our, our culture is so geared entrepreneurial culture culture is so geared towards like we need startup money we need people to mm -hmm. invest we need venture capitalists and sarah blakely is like i'm 100 self-funded i'm a self-made billionaire and seeing her do it is like okay so you can do it you don't need venture cap i don't need to go on a fundraising round but had I not seen masterclass, maybe I wouldn't have that mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah, learning from, you know, what other people have done, especially um, I feel like too, um, entrepreneurship can be kind of lonely because some mm -hmm. people don't quite like understand what you're doing, you know, especially in the beginning stages when you have like yeah. nothing quite finished to show people yet. They're like, you're doing what with your job? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you have very supportive like family and obviously as friends, you're doing it together, but yeah. it can be a little bit of, I think our culture is very like pro entrepreneurship. Everyone's like, oh, that's amazing that you're an entrepreneur. But then on the other hand, everyone's a little bit skeptical to yeah, sure. like you have to yeah. prove yourself first you know like and oh you're self-employed you know it, as if you know that means you don't really work you know it's like yeah. no this is a lot of work just because I don't have a boss telling me what to do exactly. um yeah and a lot of our friends I think a hundred percent of our friends were really supportive of us and I remember there was this one instance where we went to I don't know where we were, but someone asked Miriam what she did mm -hmm. and she didn't say she was an owner. She was an entrepreneur. She didn't say she was a business owner. And I pulled her aside after I was like, you need to start saying that you are the co-founder and owner of Power Woman. She was like, yeah, but we like, we don't have anything yet. And I was like, I don't care. We have to walk the walk. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how much that has helped because it's really manifesting. It's creating an environment for yourself in which only positivity is spoken, right? Like, I don't mean that we're afraid of criticism, but I don't want you to come into my space and tell me what you think you're not capable of. I don't care. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm showing you what I'm capable of. And mm -hmm. so we, we would tell all our friends we're, we're making blazers. We are the owners of power Woman, and we would talk about it nonstop. Luckily, we're, we're surrounded with incredibly supportive friends who have been our models, our size guides, our customers, our everything. And it's been great. But to your point as to when people say, oh, you don't really have a real job. I mean, <laughs> when I had to quit my job, uh, my other job, and be a stay-at-home mom while building Power Woman, it was a complete, like, mind I don't know how to say like my mind just got warped because I felt so useless and under undervalued not by my mm. spouse at all but mm -hmm. by society because you go to a party or you go to dinner with friends or new people and they ask you what you do and everybody's saying oh I'm an engineer oh I'm a doctor oh I'm a business person whatever and then you're like oh I'm a stay-at-home mom and you can see people immediately change the subject because they're uncomfortable because in their minds you just do nothing all day and mm -hmm. so there's nothing to talk about but at the end of the day I'm managing the the growth of a little human mm -hmm. I'm teaching them that's the important yeah I'm yeah. teaching them the basics of life so that they're able to live you know respectfully with dignity and in and, and in a way that fulfills them 
So, and I'm, and I'm managing their life. I'm managing my own. I'm managing the household. So there's a lot to be said about that. And I think because I had to go through that, like I had to confront my own thoughts about being a stay-at-home mom, when it came time to say, to say that I'm an entrepreneur, I was like, oh, I've already dealt with this. I'm an entrepreneur. Like mm-hmm. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Like you're not going to make me feel ashamed for what I am proud to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. My mom um, stayed, like, she quit her job when my brother was born, my younger brother, and um, stayed home with me and my two siblings and homeschooled us until we were all in college. We didn't start working until, um, like, my youngest sibling was, like, later high school years. And yeah, I can't imagine, you know, like looking, looking at that now as an adult, I'm like, wow, like that's very kind of countercultural and I I totally appreciate it. And all the work that she went into, you know, not only like raising us, but also like schooling us too. Absolutely. Um, I can't imagine schooling on top of raising. Like I, I tell this to everyone, you know, I've done really hard jobs uh, and I've done really hard things you know, medical school, I've been to, I've been in car sales where the environment is super aggressive mm-hmm. and I've also started my own business, but nothing in this world compares to being a mom. Like I've never encountered or experienced something so grueling in my life and yet so rewarding. So I feel almost invinced like I've already experienced one of the hardest things in life so I feel like I can do anything because of that and I my mind was completely changed when I became a mother and I saw other mothers I'm like okay society made me think of stay-at-home moms a certain way and now my experience has changed that view so is that part of um like the mission of power woman of like recognizing and and empowering women in different careers and like giving them the tools they need whatever they're doing in their day is it was that kind of part of why you started it and even named the business that yeah I mean we want to meet women where they are blazers aren't just for I feel like you know a lot of stay-at-home moms are not considered to be in the workforce and they 100% Mm -hmm. are that they are unpaid is a failure on our society that they can't put that on their resume is a failure on our society, but that's mm-hmm. not their fault. And so I encourage stay at home moms like, Hey, you, if you want to wear a blazer because you need it for your job, like as in being a stay at home mom and you need pockets to carry your kids pouches and snacks and you need to carry your keys and your cell phone, then get the blazer. You don't need a job, a society deemed job to have a blazer you have a job and then also Mm -hmm. you know we want to create a company in which moms are encouraged or women are encouraged to prioritize themselves and their families so I always say you know when Miriam decides to have kids I expect her to take her full six months maternity leave and if we have men working with us paternity leave like I, I, we'd love for our company to have childcare and paid maternity leave and paternity leave because that's something that is one of the reasons as to why we've made our own company is we want to create a future for ourselves and our families in which we are super present. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't want to be away the whole time. Well, you know, if she comes from from school, I want to be home. I want to be at the plays and the soccer games and the weekend sleepovers. I want to be the parent, you know, who's present and my husband does too. So mm-hmm. that's why entrepreneurship is so um, important to Amira and I, because we want to prioritize family more than anything. And it allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I'm, I'm curious, We ta- you talked a little bit about the, you know, your friends and family being very supportive. Um, So as you were kind of building, building Power Woman and kind of finding your niche in the market of, you know, what are you going to make and who is it for and all that, um, did you already kind of have that community of women and, you know, whether they be friends or acquaintances that you knew kind of would be the customer or the target market for Power Woman? Or is that something that 
kind of took shape later on as the business took shape more? So we kind of had like an idea and we, you know, our friends were like really supportive. Like if you look on our website, all of our, like the models that model the blazer, like those are our friends. We didn't pay anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, we paid them in blazers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think honestly, like we always talk about like the best part about starting Power Woman is all the like other women entrepreneurs that we met, the community that we have built, all these other people that have just like come up and like supported us and mm-hmm. we've made we've made you know it's so hard to make friends as an, an adult yeah but I feel like mm-hmm. we've made so many friends with power women like going to markets going to trades so like meeting people and like just having like a genuine connection mm-hmm. with each one of them and um we've also been able to like support other women that have businesses so one thing that we started doing recently that we've um we really like is we've been like taking we've been supporting uh, local women artists in Dallas. And so we met a couple of women that, you know, do art and we were taking that now and putting it in the inside of our blazer. So it's something that's really, yeah, something that's really unique, something that's beautiful. It's their art. They can also be celebrated. Um, And that's like marketing for them, marketing for us. And people have really like enjoyed that. Like they've they've enjoyed supporting not only us, but also supporting the artists that's in Mm -hmm. our blazer. Yeah, I noticed looking at your site that your blazes have like really fun linings, which I always love a pop of color. It's like, even mm-hmm. if the outside is more like plain and subdued, like you can have yeah. like some wild thing on the inside mm-hmm. to show off or just, yeah. you know, even you like know it's there and like makes you happy. Yeah, like we understand that people need to wear black or blue to the office. Like we get that. Not everybody can wear pink, but if the inside can be fun, you can still express yourself by, you know, having a fun and feminine lining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize, though, that those are artist collaborations. That makes it even more special. Yeah. So the one that's on our website is the Kenzie, and we have two more coming out that we're doing with uh, um, Kenzie and then another artist mm-hmm. named Shira. Mm-hmm. Fun. Um, I'll have to include a link to those in the show notes so people can yeah. take a look. Please. Yeah. So I noticed you also do a lot of pop of up events is that what kind of one of the main ways that you're like meeting customers and making these connections and um yeah was that um you know a bit is that a big part of your sales strategy because you also sell online too right yeah so we do mostly everything online and most of our sales come from instagram but we also really like um doing pop-up events because you know some people like to try on the blazers in person Versus mm-hmm. like ordering online, like maybe they're unsure about like their sizing. And so that's something that, you know, we like to get out in our community. And honestly, that's, again, that's the best way to like meet and connect with the customer. And we'll have people come up to us and be like, oh my God, I've been wanting to meet you guys for like months. I'm so happy that you guys are here. And so that's like something really like just sweet and nice that we've gotten to do. And, and we love doing that. So fun. Yeah. Um, so I'm also curious, um, you two seem to have like such a great and fun relationship and friendship and co-founder, uh, relationship between you two, uh, what is your approach to running a business together? Has that been a challenge or, um, yeah, I'm curious how, how it is running a business with your best friend. Um, I mean, it's definitely been, I would say like 95% super fun. 95? Are you kidding me? We did have one. <laughs> well, oh my, <laughs> well, you should give it 10%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine. 10%. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for the most part, I feel like Kim and I are very similar in the way that we like approach business together. Like we're both really good salespeople. We're both go-getters, but we both complement each other like really well. Like Kim is more like she has to think about things and I'm more impulsive and Kim's more the creative brain and I'm more like sometimes a business brain. And so we really complement each other and like our weaknesses and our strengths. And so that has really helped a lot. But we also, the biggest thing I think is we also trust each other. Like Kim is really hard to like let go of control. Oh my God. <laughs> like she loves controlling things. I have a specific, <laughs> I have a specific, what is it called? um inch or what is it called what is the word I'm looking for a specific idea of how things should be and how they should look like 
And whenever I tell people to do things and it doesn't come out like it has in my brain, I don't hesitate to let them know. (laughs) (laughs) But fortunately, Miriam, um, her and I have very similar views about things should be like, for example, I don't like to half-ass our pop-ups and I like to make sure they're beautiful and an experience. Like when you walk into our pop-up tent, it looks like you're in a boutique. Like it's all, it's a whole different, it's a whole different vibe. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like with Miriam, I don't have to over explain how things should look or that things should be done to their fullest potential or that things have to be great, you know, or mm-hmm. that we should greet all customers and be nice and be joyful and enthusiastic. Like she gets that. Um, and so I do, she's one of like the few people that I really trust. Like I could close my eyes and I know that she's going to do things the best. Right. So mm-hmm. I, that's how I feel comfortable around her, but I am a micromanager and it's something that I'm working on because I know it's not a conducive to a healthy work environment. So I, I actively combat it. So if you meet me and you work with me, you wouldn't notice it, but just know that in my mind, I am battling it so hard. <laughs> I work so hard to not be looking over your shoulder, even though I'm not, I'm like in my head, just like, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Are they doing it right? They're probably not. I'm going to go check. No, I'm not going to go check. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. But um, Miriam is super patient with me and she like, like she'll order something and I'll be like, oh, that's what you ordered. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we ordered a thousand of them. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Let me know next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but then we get it in and then she's like oh I love it yeah yeah <laughs> I, I just need to see it and simmer in it for a while and Miriam is really patient with me and understands how my brain works and I understand how her brain works so it, it, it it's like like a marriage it really is you have marriage. to learn like what you want to give your energy to and what you don't want to give exactly. your energy to and mm-hmm. Miriam's really good at that she doesn't fight every battle with me and I can, I, I know when she's just, I know when she's just letting me have it so that, because she's like, whatever, she's not going to let this go. Just let her, let her go through this experience and then she'll end up being right. <laughs> but she's really smart about that. And I respect that. Um, we have a really great working relationship. I feel like um, it also helps that we're culturally very similar, you know, we're both Hispanic. And so we both understand like, expectations and brutal honesty yeah like she was really brutally honest yeah like she's one of my few friends that I don't have to really censor myself around I don't have to censor my adjectives or how I'm saying things because she knows that it's it, the reason why I'm being brutally honest is to get to that point where we're both succeeding whereas mm-hmm. I feel like in other cultures you do have to kind of sugarcoat it a bit And that does get really tiresome for me sometimes because I have to think about it a lot. I have to work really hard to be nice sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that that makes total sense. And I I feel like I'm a little bit more the I need to like let it simmer and trying to not be, you know, perfectionist uh, micromanager. But uh, so I I feel that part of it where I, I need... I have, you know, other people in my life who are more the, let's just go for it. Like, you, you yeah. know, somebody to like push me over the edge and be like, okay, stop thinking, start doing something, you know, <laughs> whatever really it is. Awesome. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, and it seems like you guys have a lot of fun too. Like it's not just working well business wise, but, you know, even kind of following your Instagram, you guys seem to like know how to like get stuff done, but also like find, find joy and fun in the whole process too. Oh, totally. Like, I feel like Miriam and I are constantly laughing so hard at all the silly things that we do and say English is our second language. So we're always making up words and having (laughs) to ask each other, how do you say this? How do you say that? But, um, I think another thing that is really important to us is to humanify, humanify, is that a word? Humanize. 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 There it is. Humanize. (laughs) Humanize our brand because a lot of times I think people go to J. Crew and Banana Republic or or Zara and they're like, who who are these people? But there's such a personal connection. Like when you're shopping at Power Woman, you are supporting our dream. Like you Mm -hmm. are a part of our community. You are a part of our success. You're a part of our company. And we bring in everybody 
to our business. Like we don't hide things. We we bring, you can see our samples, you can see us designing, you can see us shipping, you can see us failing, you can see us succeeding. You can mm-hmm. see us like post silly reels that flop and you can see us posting reels that don't flop. Like we bring you in on everything and we're not ashamed to show you what works and what doesn't work. And I think that's why people really enjoy hanging out with us online because we're not here to show you our best selves. We're just show, here to show you ourselves. That's it. And ourselves have good days. And so, like right now, my hair looks ridiculous. Like Mary's hair actually looks amazing. I was like, <laughs> how are you going to go up to this podcast interview? She curled her hair. Well, not for the podcast. I knew it wasn't on video. Well, then for what? Because I got to go to dinner later. With, with who? <laughs> who are you going to dinner with? Someone. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> You're unreal. Kim gets really mad because I have other friends. <laughs> Who is it with? Friend jealousy. Ow. You're unbelievable. You're never going to dinner with me. You want to go? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's all made up for her other friend. And, you know, my hair is in shambles. And I don't, like, we don't, I, that was the thing that we complained about when we first started Power Women. We are like, where we would see these people with like amazing businesses and boutiques and we'd be, and then they would write a blog post about like how they started it. And it would always go like this. It would always be like, I just had an idea and I just, I, I decided to be brave and jump in and just do it. And here I am. And it's like, here I am with a million followers. And it's like, but how did you start? Mm-hmm. So we talk about like how we got our LLC, how we, how we trade, how we like, found a manufacturer, how we designed and how we overcame our ignorance basically. And, and, you know, how we ordered product or how we decided to do like all those little things that maybe aren't so sexy to show we show, because I find that people really enjoy that. They actually enjoy seeing your everyday things, whether they be pretty or ugly. Yeah, totally. And that, and that's one of the reasons why, like what I talk about with brands on this podcast too, is like, how did you start? Like, what does success look like for you? You know, yeah. what, you know, and, and a lot of the people I interview, like their background isn't in fashion. So it's like, how did you overcome, you know, learning a new industry and what, yeah. you know, what gave me, you know, like we talked about today, you know, what prompted you to start a business and all, yeah. all those things where it's like, it takes all these pieces that fit together in order to make it like the end, the end product, the end brand, like come to life. And you don't just want to like skip over that. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I have one last question that I ask everyone at the end of the show, which is if you could communicate one value to the world through, in your case, the blazers you design, what would it be? Okay. Wait, say that question again. And then Miriam's going to go first. No, wait, say that question again. Say that question again. Yeah. If you could communicate one value or like, you know, a thing you care about to the world through the clothes you design, what would it be? Okay. Go. Me? Yeah. But you have to do one too. I am. Okay. My, the, what I want to communicate the most with women is to whatever you want to do, do it in spite of fear. Like, don't wait till the fear is gone. Get up and do it. Like, the beautiful thing about our blazers is that we get to be with you during, like, your most courageous, exciting, powerful moments. We get to be with you when you get up in front of, like, a room full of senior executives or people that don't look like you, people who don't think like you, and you're wearing our blazer and you're speaking up for the first time and you're saying exactly what's on your mind because in that moment, you feel powerful, you feel celebrated and you feel seen, but you, but you don't feel fearless. You're still doing these things in spite of fear. And I think the beautiful thing that I like when I'm packing these blazers and when we're designing these blazers, that's the energy that I'm putting into them is like that, not fearlessness, but, you know, action in spite of fear. And, Mm -hmm. and to do that, that's why to do that, I think you need to be celebrated. You need to be encouraged or you need to be at least supported. And that's what our blazers do. They support you. They encourage you and they celebrate you. So fun. Yeah. Now Miriam's going to go. For for me, it's kind of similar, but for me, it's more about like, you know, your inner confidence, like 
you know, every woman can be a strong woman. Every woman can be confident. Every woman has great ideas. And so whenever you, I don't want the blazer to like make you confident. Like you're already confident. You're already Mm -hmm. yourself. Like I want the blazer just to kind of like decorate your confidence or who you are, who you are as a woman, who Mm -hmm. is your mom, as a person, and just kind of like bring that, you know, out of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love how you said that decorate your confidence. Where yeah. it's not it's not giving it to you, but it, it's showing it. It's highlighting. Yeah. It's, it's already there, and you just like I don't want the blazer to make you confident. Like it's already there. Yeah, like, like we mm-hmm. like we don't even like to say empowering women yeah. because I feel like women are already empowered. We just want to make them like feel cute while they're empowered. <laughs> like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, being empowered. Like I've always been a vocal, powerful person, right? I I've always felt like I can speak up or not that I can, but I've always felt that I should speak up. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've never really felt like I am bringing my personality to the table because I've always felt a little shy, like, Oh, I'm too loud or I'm too emotional. or I'm too in your face. But when I'm wearing my blazer, it's like, look at, like, you can see me. You, yeah. you, you see this blazer. Mm-hmm. You see that it's pink. You see this floral lining. What did you expect? Of course. I'm. <laughs> your of course. I'm going to say what I think. Look at what I'm wearing, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't be not surprised. I'm I'm here. Mm-hmm. So cool. Well, this has been such a great conversation today. Thank you both for joining. Um, where can people find out more about Power Woman online? So okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> so our Instagram is at pwr underscore wmn. So Power Woman without the vowels. <laughs> and then our website is www.pwrwmn.shop. So that's Power Woman with no vowels.shop. Awesome. I'll include links to that in the show notes. Thank and you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Allison. This is so much fun. We would love Good. to talk to you anytime you want to. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. I'm Allison Haynes, and I hope you join me again for the next episode of How Fitting.